He's amused Cam Newton. He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You are on a Monday drive where tomorrow morning the Carolina Panthers will be reporting the training camp. That's right. The hot days of summer in Spartanburg have arrived. We actually heard from Matt Rule earlier today, and you'll hear from him some of what he had to say in a second, but I actually want to start by talking about our show for a second. That's because it's our radio birthday. Four years ago this weekend, the last week of July 2018, the drive with Josh Graham went on the air for the first time, and I hope you understand how long four years really is in radio. I remember when I first took this job. And I might have told this story on the air before. If you've heard it before, please bear with me. I'm getting older, so I tend to tell the same stories over and over again. But I remember being at ACC kickoff in Charlotte and two people that we're going to be having on today's show. First guest I ever had on this show, Ed Harden, the great award-winning columnist, formerly of the Greensboro News and Record, and David Glenn, sports radio legend, were sitting with me at dinner and giving me advice about how to be successful in the triad. And DG, being a good friend, he warned me, just so you know, I want you to be prepared for what you're stepping into. Nobody had ever lasted more than two years doing a local sports talk radio show in this market. Now, there have been variations, like you talk about the great Gene Overby, former voice of the Deacons, like he did news and he did some sports and there were sports elements and there were weekly shows that I'm sure lasted more than two years. But I'm talking daily sports talk. You're on every weekday in a day part and it's local to the triad. Nobody had lasted more than two years. So to get to four means we're doing something pretty significant. So I'm not usually the self-indulgent type that's going to spend time talking about our show and pumping out our chest a little bit and pumping out, pumping up what we do for a bit. That's not generally what we're about on this show, but I do think it's a testament to a lot of different people, the fact that this is able to happen. Those who have listened to this show for a very long time, if nobody's listening, it doesn't last four years. If people aren't connecting and engaging, that doesn't happen. So even though my name's on the show, it's an achievement for all of us, all of us who've been a part of it, and that's how I treat it. I, we've been through so much together over the last four years. Let's just narrow the scope from a sports perspective. The Carolina Panthers, when I arrived, the Panthers were fresh off a playoff appearance, and they had Cam Newton, and they had Ryan Khalil, and they had Greg Olson, and they had Luke Keekley, and they had Ron Rivera, and things were looking good. <sighs> None of those guys are around anymore, and it's the Matt Rule era. Wake Forest won the Atlantic Division last year. When I arrived, Danny Manning was the basketball coach, and Ron Wellman, the AD. Now it's John Curry who won the National AD Award from last year, and Steve Forbes seems to be turning around Wake basketball in a direction it had not been going towards 
Like they're not in a place that I think uh, they they're in a place right now they haven't been in over a decade, and that's great to see with Deacon basketball in Chapel Hill. We experienced the last days of Fedora, and then we saw Mac Brown recruit the heck out of the Triad and get people really excited about that. We saw Roy Williams re- retire on April Fool's Day, 2021, surprisingly to everybody. Hubert Davis take his team to the Final Four in the first year. We saw the retirement tour for Mike Krzyzewski and Zion Williamson's season at Duke. So many things have happened, and we've experienced that all together. But really, the period of time that's going to mean so much to me, or it does mean a lot to me and always will, is the three and a half months during the COVID lockdown. That's probably the proudest stretch of my career where you guys continued to listen while we didn't have any sports. We didn't have any live sports to talk about. And we did a show every day, and it was so gosh darn creative that it's it's really amazing what we did. And I, I remember saying that, uh, to people who worked on the show at that time, our goal, we're going to try and do the same show we always do without having the live sports. We're not going to be political. We're not going to be negative. We're not going to make things more scary than they already are. It required a lot more work, but the tenor, the rhythm of the show still remained the same, and that was noticed, and uh, that's something that I still hear from people today they talk about. Personally, the triad means as much to me as any area I've ever lived in because, I mean, it's and it's only been four years, so I don't say that lightly. I met my wife here. And uh, I live in Winston-Salem. I'm wearing a shirt that says Winston-Salem right now. So I, I just wanted to start, start today by saying how proud I am of what we've accomplished, how proud I am to be the triad sports guy and to have done that for four years. But your calls are welcome, as they've been for the last four years. 336-777-1600 on Twitter at WSJS Radio. Dave and Clemens, you're up first. Hey, Dave. Hey, JT, what's up, man? Oh, four years. It's our radio birthday. What do you got? Happy four years. Hey, look, man, I'm out in Vegas. been out here for several weeks, and I saw on Facebook that, you know, it's the four-year anniversary, so I had to call in. This show's been so special to me. Four years, man. I've been rocking with you since the beginning. I appreciate everything you've done and um, look forward to great years ahead. You know, you. I always tell my friends, I'm like, we got this local guy, Josh Graham, that has a national presence feel, man. You feel like Cowherd, you feel like Patrick, and we got you here in the triad. And I can't thank you enough for that. Dave, you're in Vegas on the way out. Sam Hartman plus 1600, North Carolina, take the Coastal. Take them, pick them to win the Coastal. I love it. I love it. Right. I gotta, I'm going to put 100 on it for you. <laughs> that sounds good. I appreciate that. That's Dave and Clemens joining us from Vegas and checking in. As I mentioned, for the first time, WD is the producer of the show. Happy fourth birthday for the Same show. Same to you, WD. man. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. We've done it all together. For the first time since Baker Mayfield became a Panther, Matt Rule met with the media, and predictably he didn't want to go much into the specifics of what the quarterback competition is going to look like in Spartanburg. He said, I haven't talked to the quarterbacks about it, so I can't tell you guys how we're going to split reps. Every time he was asked about quarterbacks, Baker or Darnold, he made sure to rope in P.J. Walker and Matt Corral. Oh, we got four great guys. Four of them. As if they're all going to be playing for Carolina this year. As we thought, 
Adding Baker was a move months in the making. That's something I wanted to ask Matt Rule about. I did earlier today. Here's Rule talking about the quarterback room and when Baker came into the picture. Well, I always look at my job is to, is to put as many good players and good coaches in the rooms and then give them the opportunity to, uh, to, to battle it out. And um, I, I really like our quarterback room. I, you know, I don't know many teams that, you know, we have uh, Sam Darnold, who's been our starter, um, who had an excellent spring. And talking to him this summer, uh, Sam's had an excellent summer. So we have Sam. We add in Baker Mayfield, you know, who who's, you know, took Cleveland to the playoffs, won a playoff game, set the rookie touchdown record. Um, to add him, uh, that's another starting caliber quarterback. Uh, Matt Corral is a young guy that we drafted that we really like and have a lot of hope for. And um, I expect him to come compete. You know, I, I showed up to the stadium last night and Matt was in there uh, working out back in Charlotte, you know, getting ready. And so uh, that, that's another guy. And then obviously P.J. Walker is a guy that, you know, we've asked him to start for us twice. And twice P.J. has, has, has gone out and won. So not many teams have, you know, four quality players like that. Following up on that, Scott said that there was a time close to the draft. Conversations had accelerated and he thought that it might get done sooner, Baker being added to the team. When did you and Ben really start to imagine what this team might look like with Baker in that mix at quarterback? Yeah, uh, Scott um, and I had that conversation in, uh, before the draft and in the draft. You know, we were, we were you know, talking about that and just the deal didn't happen. Um, and so it was sort of an ongoing conversation until it, until it finally did, uh, you know, occur. Uh, there were times where it looked like it wasn't, you know, wasn't going to occur, um, you know, in spring and OTAs, uh, we really became really excited about what Sam was doing. And when we got Matt, obviously we were excited about Matt. So, um, you know, there was a time that w wasn't sure if it was going to happen. But when the time came at the end of the day, we felt, felt like it was the right thing for the team. And we did it. That was Matt Rule earlier today. We're going to get answers soon. Team reports to training camp tomorrow. Presumably he'll talk to quarterbacks about how reps are going to be split so maybe we'll get answers on that by the end of the week it's so crazy to think that that time of year has already arrived this is it you ready all right hold on all right do it do it all right listen up it's the drive with josh graham every year mike sando of the Athletics speaks to 50 NFL coaches and execs to put together his quarterback tiers. But what's really more interesting about this story when it's published every year, even more interesting than where the players are ranked, is the shade that's often thrown around under the protection of being anonymous. So before we get to where Baker and Darnold ended up in the rankings, I've got my five favorite spicy quotes from this story, starting with number five, a quote about Russell Wilson. The vultures are out for Russ in a way I don't think they've ever been. He was eighth in the quarterback rankings, and this is a quote from an NFL GM. The difference with Russell, he's a lot more high maintenance now. He's got the entourage. He needs the office at the facility the extra hotel rooms on the road, all that stuff. 
it'll be interesting how the dynamic works with a rookie head coach and a rookie offensive coordinator, how they gel. Close quote. Russell Wilson seems like the most, the, the least high-maintenance person He's in changed the a lot, though. You think? He's changed a lot. He's the guy who's telling his agent to tell Schefter, I'm not asking for a trade, but if they were to trade me, here are the locations I want to be at. And he's married to the supermodel-esque former rapper. Are we going to call Sierra a rapper? Uh, a singer. Yeah, a singer. A singer. Okay. I like her music. Let me just be clear. So there's that, and he's putting together the videos where he's doing the awkward selfie stuff, Mr. Unlimited, all that. He's got a bit of an ego. And now people are talking about it. And that's only number five on the most interesting nuggets, spicy quotes that we got from this story. Number four. This isn't really spicy, but I enjoyed it. It's Mitchell Trubisky ranked 33rd on the list. And this is from an offensive coach, an OC, who was speaking to him getting another shot to start at quarterback after attempting just eight passes with the Buffalo Bills last year. Quote, this just goes to show if you aren't a jerk, you can get resurrected by relaxing for a year and letting the rest of the crummy quarterbacks be crummy so that you can look good and then they'll circle back to you. Close quote. This is really great advice for life. Like if you think you're down and out, Oh, man, you got a bad hand. Something bad happens to you. Be patient. Be persistent. Maybe just take a step back and relax because you're going to get even dysfunctional people, even people who are incompetent. They're going to get opportunities in life. You're going to get your chance. You're going to get. And this is Mitchell Trubisky just doing the right things. Not a great quarterback. Landed in a great spot to sit for a minute. That's it. And now, here you go. Great life advice being thrown out there. Number three. Lamar Jackson cracks the top ten. I didn't have him in the top ten. Neither did Jeremy Fowler's rankings. That was based on information he got from GMs and players and execs. But Lamar's in the top ten of this list, so you might think what I'm about to read is positive. Not really. He is the new Cam Newton in this way. Not the way he plays, even though that does play a role in it. No, he's the new blank makes everybody stupid player in the NFL. Cam Newton made everybody stupid. Lamar Jackson makes everybody stupid. He's not in my top 10 either, but I'm not dumb enough to say something like this. This comes from a defensive coordinator in the league. Quote, if he has to pass to win the game... They ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete. He's a really good football player, but I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a number one as a quarterback. He'll be a number one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. And when they say number one, they're talking about the elite of the elite of the elite 
Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, the top five or six quarterbacks on this list. So that's what he means when he talks about a number one. He's not saying he can't be a starter in the league, of course. I don't think he'll ever be a number one as a quarterback. He'll be a number one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So many games come down to the two minutes, and that is why they'll have a hard time advancing even when they're good on defense. The playoffs are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball, and he's just an inconsistent thrower of the ball. It's hit or miss. I don't care if he wins 12 MVPs. <laughs> I don't think Lamar struggles to throw that much, though. Like, he may not be like Aaron Rodgers out there, but, like, he can pass some. Uh, yeah, when, he when, 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 when he gets to the playoffs. When he gets yeah. to the playoffs. Let's give him Steve. a few more cracks at it first. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Anywho. Number two. Justin Herbert was compared to Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I love this one this so much. This is my favorite. It's pretty good. And it's a defensive coach who's apparently a huge nerd saying this. It takes more time on task to truly be a top-tier guy like Herbert. With those guys, it's going be it's it's going to be like Top Gun Maverick every single weekend because the stunts they pull are the equivalent to pulling 11 Gs and bending the airframe. It takes hours in the cockpit to operate that and not kill yourself or your team. Ho ho ho, there's an analogy and crash the thing. When it's 17 nothing and half, that's trying to land the thing in the Indian Ocean with 50 mile per hour winds and 40 foot waves rocking the flight deck, and they managed to get it down or get it close. I, w- I wondered if after the quote, do you got, do, can, can we stop? We got the analogy the first time. Nah, I'm just going to continue going in on this analogy because I watched Top Gun Maverick six times in the theater. He, sa- he sat on this one for a little while, he was just waiting. For the opportune time to be able to spit that. So he just had to let it marinate some. Uh-huh. Last one. Number one. Trey Lance. 29th on the list. By the way, Herbert ranked fifth on the list. Trey Lance, 29th. And teams are crushing the Niners. I actually got two quotes here from two different coaches. Two. So this comes courtesy of a coach who plays the Niners this season. That's all that Sando's given us. That would be like my early Christmas present if they get rid of Jimmy G so that he can't play for them and then they make Trey be their guy. And then this comes from a head coach in the league. I love the skill set of Lance, but he had ball accuracy concerns of his tape coming out and he looks really raw. The very little I've seen of him last year, he's got a little Tim Tebow to him. It's a very long delivery. Yeah. Tebow wants his way out of town. He obviously knows what they got in Trey Lance, seeing him at practice. They gave up three first-round picks for this guy. Uh, Jimmy G's still on the team. He's seeking a trade. That's a very interesting situation. Before we get to David Glenn, who joins us in a few minutes, let's get to what the story had to say about Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Because based on these execs inside the NFL, they don't really view Baker versus Darnold as a real competition. They think that Baker's going to end up winning the job. Baker ranked 18th, Sam Darnold ranked 32nd. And the concern with Baker is his maturity. None of the critiques that I'm reading here have a lot to do with his ability. They're not really doubting that. It's something like this. 
something is missing there, and I don't know what it is. I like his feistiness. I'm okay with that. He's not bad, but there's not one player that stuck up for him during this whole thing. Not one guy said, hey, this is my guy in Cleveland. So I don't know. If you put on the tape, his play is not brutal. Someone else said, I think he's a three with upside, a really interesting guy. Other people are saying, if he is humbled and wants to learn and grow, he could be solid then. So a lot of it's just about his personality, his maturation. It's not, this guy can't get it done. There's no way that this can be a good quarterback. So Matt Rule was asked about it earlier today, specifically Baker's personality and what he thought about it, how it's going to fit in onto this team. And this is what he said. Uh, I want I want every player on our team to be themselves. Um, I want every player on their, this team to to be themselves, but to live up to the standards of our team. And uh, you know, um, at the end of the day, it, you know, winning comes first. Winning always comes first. It's about winning. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not personal battles. It's about winning. So, uh, for Baker, I, I, haven't, I haven't coached Baker. Uh, I talked to Lincoln about Baker, and you know, he told me, "Hey, you're going to love him." But I want Link, I, I want Baker to be Baker. I want Sam to be Sam. I want them all just to be themselves. And getting to Darnold, when you look at the quotes that are given about him, the concern is not him as a person. It's the mental side of the game, which is pretty important at that position. Here's a quote from a veteran coach. Sometimes the ability to sort and process on game day overwhelms him, and it's tough. Not everyone can handle the modern passing game where you might face six different uh, six defensive personnel groupings and nine coverage slash blitz combinations on third down. Darnold wouldn't be the first who looks the part but can't play the part. Another quarterback's coach said, that is unfortunate, but we just don't see good football IQ, which contributes to his struggles. Physically, he has everything. It's like, come on, dude, what's going on? But it seems like I continue to hear the same thing regardless of where he is. He just can't put it together. Despite all this, if you're the team, you have to treat it as if it's even. You do. Just in case Baker plays poorly, doesn't mess with the locker room, and Darnold continues from the great spring that he had and looks very good. So you have to publicly face things that way. That This is Baker versus Darnold, and, oh, it's going to be close, and, heck, maybe even P.J. Walker or Matt Corral can impress. That's what you got to say publicly. But behind the scenes and in the NFL, nobody thinks that this is going to be a real competition. They think this is Baker's job to lose. Now that we've had time to digest ACC football media days, there is a question I want to put to North Carolina sports radio legend David Glenn. That question is this. How much different, kind of like what the Panthers are doing publicly versus how they feel behind the scenes, how much different is the ACC's public position to how they feel behind the scenes to what's happening in college sports? We'll ask DG that next. Rich Eisen, catch me this evening at 6 for the Rich Eisen Show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. couple of housekeeping notes here. We've got Duke and Carolina in the news going for the same player this week that we'll tell you about in a second. In addition to that, we learned the final missing spots on the non-conference schedules for both Carolina and Duke, and it just so happens to be in the same event that we'll tell you about in a second. We've got tickets to give away. Two pairs of Black Keys tickets. Really big show. Wednesday night. If you want to go see the Black Keys later on in the week. Is this Charlotte? 
the Black Keys performing in Charlotte. It's going to be great right down the road. This is what you're listening for. Your cue to call in later on in the show. It's a great song, Lonely Boy. The music video equally is great. I don't know if I've shown you it, but it's just one guy standing there, middle-aged guy standing there and dancing in a one-shot You have for four yeah. and a half, five minutes. It's outstanding stuff. So the next time you hear that, 336-777-1600 is your cue to call in. David Glenn now joins the show, North Carolina sports radio legend. Read his stuff at chapelboro.com. I hope DG's enjoying his summer. DG... Uh, let's uh, talk about things that are happening in the ACC. We still have, we've had some time to digest what happened at ACC kickoff. And we heard Jim Phillips' position on the collegiate model and the big, bad, big 10 and SEC that's doing things the wrong way. And we're the last bastion of what's right and all of that, yada, yada, yada. Here's the brass tacks. How different do you believe the ACC's public position to be what we saw Jim Phillips say versus how Jim Phillips and company are addressing the issues in college sports behind the scenes? Hey, Josh. Well, number one, it's great to be with you again and happy anniversary to you. Uh, you. I think the bottom line is that what Jim Phillips says publicly mostly aligns with what they're saying behind the scenes. And, one thing that I, I think he blurted out almost casually that is worth remembering among things that got more attention is that he said for the first time in modern ACC history, they are not closing the door on the possibility of something other than equal revenue sharing. So that's at least a little window into more private conversations because that's not something I've heard very often in my 35 years covering the ACC. Yeah, and I I thought when you said something he blurted out, you were going to get to the Freudian slip of saying 17 (laughs) teams versus 15. There are some things you could slip on. that. Given the framework of where things stand right now, that's probably not the area you want to have a slip. David Glenn joining us here on Twitter at David Glenn Show. Shoot him a follow. Okay, let me ask you this. What would surprise you more, DG? I've got Carolina winning the Coastal. I predict when we learn what this poll, these polls are going to look like tomorrow that NC State's going to be somewhere ahead of Wake Forest, but Clemson's probably going to be winning the Atlantic. So what would surprise you more, Carolina winning out in their division or NC State somehow topping the Tigers yet again? I think Carolina would surprise me more. Um, And credit to you for being the only person to get fit right last year uh, out of all the masses. So you know how I feel about predictions. They're among the less valuable things we do as media members. But I don't think you're crazy with your Carolina pick. I just think Carolina, or excuse me, NC State, feels better and deservedly so about how it's positioned right now with Devin Leary not only back but healthy again at quarterback with that amazing linebacker core that'll be the center of Dave Doran's defense. Obviously, the Wolfpack has to get through Clemson, and that's never easy home or, in this case, away. Uh, But it's fun to have three of the four schools in our state with significant levels of optimism 
uh, even if there aren't many who have your level of optimism about those Tar Heels. Yeah, the one thing about State I can't get past, every argument I try to make for the Wolfpack, talking myself into it, also turns into an argument for Wake Forest. So I, I don't know how you see Wake Forest versus NC State, but I tend to favor the Deacons. What do you say? Well, here's the best way to put it. When those two play each other and they have similar amounts of talent, history suggests that Dave Clawson's going to figure out a way to get the Deacons to win. And that's much more of a compliment to Dave to Dave Clawson than it is a criticism of Dave Dorn. I'd say that uh, matching Dave Clawson up against most uh, opposing coaches. Sam Hartman being back for another year is a huge deal. And even though Devin Leary is on those preseason lists as well, I'd argue that Sam Hartman over a longer period of time and more consistently with fewer injury problems has lived up to the hype even greater than Devin Leary has. Now, it's not all about quarterback, and that's where maybe the Wolfpack has the advantage. But overall, I think Dave Dorn and Dave Clawson can both feel good about knowing they have both teams on their hands and knowing that nobody should laugh at them if they think they're capable of something much better than just a, merely a bowl game. DG, wanted to ask you this on the way out. You mentioned the anniversary of the show this weekend marked a four-year anniversary of this radio show being on the air. Uh, for those who might not understand how significant that is, historically, ba based on what you know about this market having done radio in this state for such a long time and most of it being in a statewide context, how significant is being on the air around here for four years? It's a huge deal. It's a credit to you and your staff and a lot of others, but mostly you. And for those who don't know, whereas in, say, Charlotte or the Triangle, where I was based for 20-plus years, there is a much deeper, richer tradition of successful sports radio there is not that in the bigger picture and in the long term in the triad part of our state. So you are, if anybody uses the label unprecedented in a world filled with hyperbole and exaggeration, it is not an exaggeration to say that you are doing things as a host in that part of our great state that nobody has ever done before. And, you know, I love either way, but I am extra proud and extra happy for you that you're doing something, relatively speaking, that is even harder than it is to accomplish in other parts of our state and other parts of the East Coast, at least historically. Thank you for saying that and for sharing that with us. Uh, I just felt fitting that if we were going to do this, uh, we are going to have a four-year anniversary, a four-year radio birthday, that David Glenn is a part of it. DG, hope you enjoy the rest of your summer and that we're knocking on your door sometime soon. Always happy to be with you, my friend. Keep up the good work. Let's get the show going. It's the drive with Josh Graham. I make a real effort to only pub the things I really like, and I'll tell you what. The last week or so, I've been getting my money's worth out of my athletic subscription, particularly today, where Mike Sando 
puts out these quarterback tiers every single year, and he has 50 league execs slash coaches speaking anonymously with him, talking about the best quarterbacks, the worst quarterbacks that are going right now. It's always one of the more fascinating reads of the year. And then you also get access to the reigning North Carolina sports writer of the year, Joe Person, who's covered the Panthers for a long time now, joins us, one of our good friends on the show, good to have on our four-year radio anniversary. Joe, when I read the quarterback tier story today, I started thinking about public position, what you have to say versus how you might actually feel behind the scenes. It seems league execs believe Baker to be the 18th best quarterback, Sam Darnold to be the 32nd. They don't really think that this is much of a question at all who's going to be the starting quarterback. But of course, Matt Rule can't say that publicly. Do your league sources tell you that, man, this is Baker Mayfield's job to lose? Yeah. First of all, the folks I've talked to around the league, their opinions jive with the with whomever Mike Sando talked to. I have heard Baker Mayfield in the last couple of weeks described as a mid-tier NFL quarterback. That means he's not up there with Russell Wilson and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and, um, you know, and, and whoever else you want to put in the, uh, that Josh Allen, but nor is he down near Sam Darnold uh, or Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he, he's somewhere in between. And I think in, in the minds of Matt rule and Scott Fitterer, and with some convincing David Tepper, they felt that was worth it. And really for the price that they're paying, I have a hard time disagreeing with them. You give up a fifth round that might become a fourth round pick and you pay less than 5 million bucks for a guy who, as we just described, is pretty clearly an upgrade for Sam Darnold. Is he a Super Bowl caliber quarterback? No, he is not. Um, not. Not that he has shown in his first four seasons. But if it means the difference uh, of a franchise that has been stuck in the mud since since David Tepper bought the team, since Matt Rule became coach of the team, has not sniffed the playoffs, could it mean the difference in a couple of wins and getting a wild card berth? Maybe so. And in that in that case, why not? The way it was discussed, uh, described to me by somebody in that building, it doesn't really change the ceiling for what they can get from that position, but it does heighten the floor. It elevates the floor of what you can get at that position. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, it's a little bit in terms of semantics. I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, so much is going to be dependent on the play of the offensive line and the health of Christian McCaffrey. But with those things, if, if those things break correct and break right, I should say, for the, for the Carolina Panthers, then I think they're going to win more games with Baker Mayfield than they would with Sam Darnold. Uh, I, I watched Sam Darnold last year very closely um, I watched him do some nice things early in the year when Christian McCaffrey was healthy. And then I saw the same guy I'd, I'd watched from afar for three seasons, uh, you know, bad footwork, 
Um, not seeing the field, just a, a guy that did not look very confident in the pocket. And what ensued were interceptions, in the words of uh, Matt Rule, catastrophic plays. And so, again, I, I, think, I, think, I think I've been clear. I don't think, I don't think Baker Mayfield is the long-term answer that, that's going to get this franchise their elusive first Lombardi trophy. But I think he's better than Sam Darnold. Joe Persons with us here. He's on Twitter at Joseph Person. Read his stuff in the Athletic. Uh, one thing that you do very well every year—it's a story I always look at. Maybe you do it a few times a year—is you like projecting what the 53-man roster is going to look like. And when you really start to break things down position by position, that's really when you realize how compacted, how valuable every spot among the 53 is I only set it up this way to get us further to the conversation of quarterback. When you know, you're going to keep corral and you know, Baker or Darnold's going to be your starter. How comfortable are you saying that Carolina is going to carry three quarterbacks on its 53 man, knowing how tough it is, or how tough it will be filling out other spots on the roster, knowing that you're going to keep three at that one position. Yeah, it's trickier, no doubt about it. And it means that maybe a sixth linebacker that doesn't sound important, except the fifth and sixth linebackers are usually on all of your special teams, everyone. Um, And so it means if you keep – three quarterbacks, then maybe maybe that sixth linebacker doesn't make it. Or the ninth defensive back, same principle in terms of uh, special teams. So I think they'll go into this with the idea that they're going to keep three. And then if they feel comfortable about where Matt Corral is, but see, to me, that's going to be tough because he's not going to get many reps at training camp. There might be, you know, maybe it's that first preseason game um, at Washington. Maybe he plays a half. But in terms of, like, every morning rolling out the footballs in Spartanburg, you know, they're going to have enough time, hard enough time getting uh, Darnold and Baker reps. Uh, And and so my point I was trying to make is, and and this this could be flawed on a couple of different levels, is – if they felt okay with Matt Corral backing up Baker Mayfield, do they try to move Sam Darnold? And mm. I think the answer would be yes. Yeah, someone call and make an offer. And the, the flawed piece of that is, is there going to be much of a market for Sam Darnold? Just depends on injuries, right? If someone gets hurt around the National Football League, even a backup, if a, if a backup were to get hurt in one of these preseason games, then maybe – Scott Fitter's phone rings. Joe Person with us here. What was the highlight of your night in Winston-Salem accepting the North Carolina Sports Writer of the Year Award? Hanging out with you and oh, your bride before oh. you were going on a far-flung, <laughs> multi-state, multi-country um, <laughs> honeymoon trip, which I had to kind of go back to the, the Winston-Salem Marriott and, and – you know, explain to my wife why we didn't have that kind of <laughs> It was great to meet your wife, by the way. <laughs> that was a great night. It, and it is cool seeing you and seeing your better half because, 
you know, so often, you know, you and I have a great relationship, but we don't often get to cut it up uh, off the air. So no. that that was cool. And Charles Barkley um, cutting up with everyone he ran into was, was entertaining. And man, that feels like it was like, I don't know, six months ago. I know it was probably only like three or four weeks ago. It's summertime, you start kind of moving to a different drumbeat, but man, everything's gonna everything's gonna pick up tomorrow, uh, starting uh, about mid morning uh, when when Panthers players start showing up to Spartanburg, South Carolina. I remember one thing we joked about before I I left the country to Turks and Caicos was uh, there was this there's this Bill Maher segment before he goes on vacation that he does called Future Headlines, and sometimes he predicts something that happens while he gone while he's gone and can give like a quip or a joke, some analysis in case, you know, he needs to talk about something that happens. He predicts it. And I joked with you that I said earlier that day on the show, hey, while I'm gone the next two weeks on my honeymoon, Baker Mayfield's going to become a Carolina Panther. Broke the thing down. And you said, when I'm in South Carolina and I'm I'm out and I'm having to coach baseball and do everything, I'm sure something's going to break as well. See, you, I was right being in another country when something big broke. Fortunately, my job doesn't require me to drop everything where I'm at and have to report on it when those things happen. I, I think things were pretty clear for you while you were coaching baseball, right? You know what? You're you're you've got a great memory, and yes, I I have been not, not that your listeners or my readers care an iota about our personal lives, but sometimes it's nice to talk about. I have thought. I went to see the Avet brothers at the Jazz Fest. This is when the Panthers it looked like they might be involved in Deshaun Watson. I'm like, that trip's going to get blown up. Oh, that's yeah. right. I offered you tickets to the Avets that one time, and you said, well, well, it's, it's, it's the start of the new league year. you got to mold your that's life right. around these things. Point being is I was very fortunate. Uh, when the Baker news broke, I had just gotten back from uh, Washington, D.C. over the 4th, it was prior to my trip to Charleston for travel baseball, and I could, can, I, I could. It, it was great. I spent uh, a couple days just, you know, dissecting the news, and then myself and Zach Jackson, my colleague in Cleveland, combined on a story on sort of how the deal went down, going back several months. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, in terms of uh, Scott Fitter not screwing up my baseball vacation, I, I am grateful for the Panthers GM. Oh, I got to ask, though, on the way out, how did your team do? Did you guys win? We did okay. We were, so, we were down at the shipyard. If any of your listeners have been down there, it's a very cool, uh, newish facility for youth baseball. It is on the banks of the Wando River. It is a beautiful setting. Uh, we won two and we lost two. The last day, my friend, it was uh, where everyone's kind of ready to get home. We were we were playing in the consolation bracket, which is fine. And here comes the storm right around first pitch, and we uh, have to endure a five-hour rain delay. We're all grumbling, this and that. Guess what? We end up winning the game. My kid pitched well on the mound, and there was a gorgeous sunset at the end of a long week, and it all made it worthwhile. Yeah, I, I told this story on air, but the last day I was in Turks and Caicos, I'm not the guy that's going deep into the water at all. My wife said, come on, play in the water with me. Sure, I go in with her. 
and my uh, my wedding ring fell off my hand oh, in the ocean, and I'm looking for it, and it's the ocean, Joe. But the yeah. water is so clear, Sarah Bradford, and there's a storm coming. Like 30 minutes later, she saw it drifting downwind. She followed some fish that converged to a spot, and beneath the sand, she saw the outer ring of it and grabbed oh. it. And it was still like chest high water that she was looking into. She oh found the ring, God. and 10 minutes later, storm hits. Everyone has to get out of the water. That is awesome, man. That it's that's fate. You found you, you're with the right woman, and <laughs> she's with the right guy. Yeah, that sounds right. Hey, Joe, you're the best, man. Uh, thanks, thanks for spending the time, and uh, good luck with the start of Spartanburg training camp. And I'll see you sometime soon. Congrats on four years and many more to come, buddy.